Yeah, yeah. What's going on, everyone? Welcome back to another week of Unscripted. I'm your host, Akeem Haynes. Before we get into this week's episode of Unscripted, I want to give you a quick backstory behind this week's special guest. This week's special guest is Richard Riakpo. Richard is a professional boxer from Britain. From humble beginnings and tough upbringing, Richard defied the odds and climbed the ranks to where he is now. And that's an undefeated, two-belt-holding champion. Honestly, throughout this episode, you will see why the spirit of fight has always been inside of him. You know, he fought for his life when he was stabbed early in his teens. Yeah, he was he was stabbed early in his teens, right in the chest. That's pretty remarkable to recover from when you truly think about it, right? He fought to overcome his environment. He fought for his life. He fought to find himself. Not only was he fighting inside the ring, but then he would leave the ring and fight to keep a roof over his head. He would fight to have a good meal to eat. He literally fought for everything that he had to get to this point. Throughout this episode, he will realize that Richard is a guy who knows nothing but hard work and embracing a resilient mindset in order to get to where he wants to get to and achieve his goals. Throughout this episode, you will see how he kind of developed this positive attitude and this mindset that no matter what comes his way, he's going to find a way to overcome it. He's going to make his presence felt one way or another, which is part of what he does outside of the ring. Outside of the ring, he set up a program to help empower the youth to remind them to think positively, to dream big, and to stay away from crime and to stay focused, and their dreams are not out of reach. You know, Richard is a guy that you want to cheer for, right? This is a guy who you want to root for, from his beginnings to his transformation to who he is now and where he's trying to go. I truly believe that even right now, with an undefeated record, two titles, he is still, I think, just getting started. So without further ado, enjoy this week's episode of Unscripted with British champion and boxer Richard Riakpo. Oh, before I forget, do us a huge favor and head on over to Apple Podcasts and leave a rating or a review or both of the podcast. It would truly be appreciated and go a long way. and helps us keep this thing afloat. If you are saying, Akeem, I'm enjoying the podcast, how can I help? That's a great question. You can head on over to www.akeemaspires.com, head to the podcast section and see some of the ways that you can help this podcast and keep it afloat and keep it moving and grooving so we can provide great conversations and great value. So with all that being said, enjoy episode 40 with Richard Riakpo. See you next week. Hello, hello. Hello. You can hear me, man? Hey, yeah, man. How you doing? I'm well, my brother. How you living, man? All good, man. All good, thanks. What's the weather looking like over there, man? I was, uh, every time I'm over there, it's always raining. You know, to be honest, it's, yeah, that's London. That's the typical London weather to you. It's uh, always cloudy, always raining. It's like bipolar. Sunny one minute, <laughs> raining the next. <laughs> My man, I, I appreciate your time. I appreciate you jumping on, man. You know, I did I, I did a little bit of research, man, but honestly, you know, I like to hear it from you because I think there's a lot of things that, you know, we actually have in common, especially growing up, man. First of all, man, 
Uh, tell everybody where you're from originally, man. So I'm from um, London. So um, I grew up, uh, my heritage is Nigerian, um, but I was born uh, in London, um, first generation over here in the UK. And um, so Southeast, Southeast London, Woolworth, Peckham area. That's where I grew up. I don't know if you know of those areas. I know, I know, I know a little bit. I still got family over, over there. Uh, but you know, I'm not, I'm not too familiar with it, but I have a good understanding now. Um, you know, I think a lot of who we are is a lot of what we were in the past. Cause I'm a firm believer that no matter where we go, we got to take our old selves wherever that we do go. And so, man, I just want to, I don't want to get into what was growing up like for you, man, because you didn't start out, you know, probably saying that you wanted to be a boxer or you knew where things was going to fall into place. But, you know, a lot of who we are starts at the beginning, man. So tell me a little bit about what growing up was like for you. What was the environment like? What was things that you were envisioning? If you were envisioning anything, man, what was, walk, walk me through a little bit about that. Yeah, so growing up in, in Southeast, Southeast London, it was, um, it was quite tough. Uh, growing up in big, big council estates, what you call the projects in America, a mm-hmm. massive one. And, it was um, you can imagine, you know, the environment wasn't um, too nourishing, so we had to kind of find our way. I was I was into sports, but I was into football and what you Americans call soccer, and that's that was my love. That's all I cared about. All I cared about was playing soccer every every single day, and my passion kind of developed for boxing pretty much later on. Um, mm-hmm. as, I, as I went into, got into my late teens and it was through a friend and he was kind of just showing me like certain punches and um, maneuvers and I was I was quite fascinated by it and that's when I entered the, the boxing gym. But before then, I was pretty much up to no good, you know, um, gallivanting around around the southeast, um, southeast London, the streets just um, distracted Distracted mm-hmm. by a lot of a lot of uh, negative influences, I'd say. Man, I was doing some research, like I said, man, and I read somewhere where it said you 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 chose to join a gang when you were twelve years old. Tell me a little bit about that, man. So, um, let's just say, around twelve years old, I was more exploring. I was like in year eight, secondary mm-hmm. school. And um, I was just more kind of exploring um, the the streets, and I'm, I was developing an interest for the street culture, you know, so to speak. Um, I was uh, going to school, and I think the transition with me kind of getting involved in that more came at the end of um, secondary school. So that was mm-hmm. like at sixteen. That's when I kind of started to go a little bit more off the rails and deeper in. in, in, in London, where kind of when I grew up, I wouldn't have classed it as a gang. It was more like, it's just a bunch of my friends, you know, growing mm-hmm. up in the same areas and we started getting involved. It wasn't like a, like a mafia. Where you have to make an initiation to join. It was just <laughs> normal, yeah. It was just like normal, yeah. normal, normal friends, you know what I mean? And um, just, yeah. and then we just find ourselves on a, on a type of pathway, making all the wrong decisions. And it was leading us on the, on this type of path, man, to the to the abyss. But we didn't, we wasn't conscious of that. Mm. 
so um, yeah, it's just um, so it was just that that age sixteen, where the the parent the um the the head teachers weren't calling you no more. They weren't calling home saying, "Listen, your son was late, or oh, your son was yeah, absent didn't. from school." You know, we were like young adults going to college where they didn't care. It was just like a number, you know, just a figure, because they would get funding from every student that entered the entered the institution. Mm. So that's when we could have done anything we want. And I ended up dropping out of college, you know, um, and that's when I started to go off the rails. Man, did you ever feel, did you ever feel, because I was born in Jamaica and, you know, I, I've, I've, you know, I've been around a lot of violence and, 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 and things of that nature. Did you ever feel that something was, was kind of missing in your life at that point? Maybe something internal. Maybe, maybe you were searching for, for family or something like that. Did like, did you ever feel like something was missing? You know, when you when you do um, put it that way, thinking back, you know, I think thinking back and looking back in hindsight, I kind of felt like I was, I was definitely in need of, um, of some role models. Definitely mm-hmm. some positive role models some type of guidance some someone that actually cared not because they were related to me but just because they wanted me to do well and they wanted to me mm-hmm. to fulfill my potential or have a decent life and i was i was missing that i was missing that type of love but the the thing was when i was um hanging around with my friends back then it's like it was like oh what listen whatever you want to do we got your back, you know, and mm. it's that type of love, you know, there's people even like in, even in these days, these ages, they didn't, they didn't have, they don't have that same connection that, that I'm describing now with, with their colleagues and, and their friends. It's like, if things hit the fan and they, they disappear, but then like, if this guy, if somebody's tried to come to kill you now, I'm putting my whole mm-hmm. life on the line to protect you. You know, it's, it's, mm-hmm. it's, it's a whole different type of, you know, love, whatever you want to refer to it as, you know, uh, that's, that, that became family. That was, that's what I saw as family. You know, somebody that would risk their own life for me, risk their own freedom for me. You know, I know fully well about the consequences, but still do it anyway because of, of the love. This is, this is what, we, you know, we believe in. You know, it was something that, you know, became addictive. You know, gravitate to that. So yeah, I think yeah. When when you when you put it that way, it's, it doesn't make a lot of sense. Yeah, I, I reckon I did kind of need some type of uh, some guidance, hundred percent. Someone that cared. May I think that's great how you said that, bro. Because you know, I think too many times we get to, especially when we're young, we think we can do everything on our own, and we do a lot of things in a from a subconscious state of mind that we don't necessarily know that we're doing until somebody says you know what you can do something else here you know when you feel like somebody is pouring into you um you know it kind of it kind of forces you to think about other alternatives but when you're not getting that man you know you look for the first place where you have somebody who cares about you the person even if it may not be the best conducive pathway for you at that moment man so i I completely get that bro um there was there was a transition um, that that I think put you on a different path. 
and a certain incident happened when you were at a nightclub earlier, um, a couple of years after. Um, tell me a little bit about that, man, because that was um, as I was reading it, I was just like, man, this guy's mad. This guy's this guy's stronger than he probably thinks, man. Tell me a little bit. Of, tell me a little bit about the incident that that changed your life, yeah, man. So that was um, back. That was back when I was 15 years of age, and at that time we used to go, we used to go to um, parties every single weekend. So we used to call them shubs. That's like a house party. <laughs> <laughs> so we, I know no, exactly what about. you mean. We used to call we used to call it bashmen in Jamaica, okay, okay, man. Yeah, so <laughs> you feel me there? So, so yeah. we used to go to different shubs, and it was like house party. We'd get a call saying, "Yeah, there's another house party." in Oaken Road. There's another house party right now in Catford. We'll just jump on a bus and we'll go down there. So we'll go different different shows all throughout the night. And if they if it's not a good if it's not a good dance then we'll just leave and go to the next look for the next mm-hmm. next event until it gets too late and we'll go home. And that's that was up my life for for a couple of years. And this occasion we went to this club in well it wasn't really a club, it was more like a it wasn't a club, but it's like they rented out a hall and they do they're celebrating mm-hmm. um, a party, etc. So came there and literally it wasn't that good. We came outside, started to congregate and and decide on where to go next. Um, at that time, somebody just stormed over and started asking us for our phones, and mm-hmm. we were confused. We didn't know what was going on. So he's like, "Was was um, give me your phone?" The guys like, give me your phone. And um, my friend, he he kind of hesitated. He just stabbed him straight away. And he started off. Everybody Jeez. got the picture after that. Give me your phone. People were just bringing out their phone straight away. You know, um, thinking back, I wish I should have probably done the same thing. <laughs> but, <laughs> like, the funny thing is, I didn't even have a phone. But, um, oh, was, man. Yeah, yeah. I get yeah, it. So he literally started asking everybody for the phone. But, you know, there's a sense of, of pride. And street credibility. Mm-hmm. Somebody asks you for your phone, you know, you can't say you can't say here, here you go, give it. It's just you kind of um, it, it kind of um, affects your your name, your credibility on the streets, and it's it's not it's not a thing that everybody would do. But um, definitely, you know, if you want to maintain your name, your image, you know, you have to do what um, um, you know. You have to follow the book, you know, so to speak. So. I just said to him, no, even though I hadn't had the phone, he stabbed me straight in my chest. Um, it's, mm-hmm. he, he kind of, uh, it was really close to an artery. So um, there was internal bleeding. They had to saw open my sternum and operate. Um, you know, uh, I was in the hospital for about what's a week after that. And uh, I just woke up with my dad in the corner. My mum was abroad. She was a, she's a trader, so she was um, back home in Africa, just buying materials and stuff. Yeah. And she's getting, um, you know, calls saying the son, the son, you know, has been stabbed. His name, he nearly, he nearly died. So a lot of a lot of my people that know me, they just got calls that I'm dead. It wasn't like oh, yeah, he got stabbed. No, I'm, I'm dead, because that's how like severe the stab wound was. But um, you know, I'm I'm happy to say you know that we survived and I'm here to tell the story. It was really traumatic, though. I'll tell you that, bro. 
And I'm sure many have told you before, but as we're talking just now, man, bro, you are here for a purpose, my brother. Like you are, you, you are here because it was not your time and God still has a plan for you and that he wants you to complete and he wants you to do here. Because when a person gets that type of assault in that position, in that area, in their body, they're not supposed to be here, bro. You know what I'm saying? And so, and so I truly believe, man, that, that God has something bigger in stores for you, greater than boxing in itself. But I want to talk about, man, like, all right, so you get, you get stabbed, you get the incident, you're in the hospital. What is going through your head at that time, bro? Because are you still in shock? Are you still trying to figure out like, yo, what just happened? Or was your mind starting to wonder, like, man, like something has to change? You know, I, it didn't really hit me. You know, I think it hit me like years afterwards. But I felt like a seed was definitely planted. I, the first thing I thought was, I felt like I was a good person. I didn't deserve this, but I still nearly died. Mm. Being stabbed. Like, who, who gets stabbed? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, which good person gets stabbed? Yeah. <laughs> and that's when I realized that yeah. I had to change my behavior. I couldn't just go party, you know, go to a party with, with my friends because I felt at risk. I was putting my life at risk, um, hanging around the wrong people and, in certain environments. And, you know, I just thought, you know what, that has to change 100%. And that changed. And then later on, I became more conscious about decisions I was making and how it was affecting me in certain ways. But, in that particular incident, that time being 15 years old, I didn't understand what was really going on. It was all an experience for me. I got stabbed. I survived. I was dead. I didn't understand the, the um, you know, how severe the stab wound was, you know, how close to death I was. I didn't understand anything. It was just more of a, a type of experience. Mm-hmm. It's like later on, that's when I started to understand, like, wow people do not survive those type of sabbaths. But um, it definitely definitely changed me. It definitely changed me. And it was just a process. It was like a seed that was planted there. And then that's when I realized, you know what? I can't go on like this. I can't can't continue on this pathway. If I I do, I'm going to end up six feet or in jail for a very long time. So I decided to change my um really focus on my decision making do you do you think that a lot of what happened at that time during that age um in the sense of knowing who is around you the right people around you there's certain things that you got to look for in any position in any field especially athletically in the field that you're in how did you start to think or what were some things that you look for to say, you know what, this person isn't the right person for me. I don't want to hang around with them. I want to have these people in my corner because a lot of the times, man, a lot of people can talk a good talk and trick you into thinking that they're the right people that they should be with you. So what are some things that you look for to say, you know what, this person right here, I know they got my back. I know they want the best for me because that's not always easy to differentiate sometimes. I think with me, it took me a very long time to understand how to be um, better at selecting um, good people around you, people that care. I still have problems with that, with, with that now, to be honest, but 
yeah, yeah. Hey, we're still learning. <laughs> All I can say is it's good to see, you know, the path that uh, a person that you want to befriend is is on. You know, are they making the right decisions or are they getting themselves into trouble? And then you can work from there. I think that's a good starting point because if you, um, you know, you know, you have to be really careful because it's like, you know, it's all about energies, isn't it? It's like everything is is contagious. You're around yeah, yeah. one person, and and in so so many different ways, they're affecting you, even on the subconscious level. You know, so we have to be really, really careful. At some time, and to be honest, for for a while, I actually it might sound weird, but I spend a lot of time alone. Spend a very a long time, mm. alone, good. I would say a good three years. You know, just getting to know myself, wow. getting to understand what I like, what I don't like, because everything was influenced by everybody else. It's like just too much, too much music around me. Oh, I want this. Then after that, you know, I'm saying I want this as well. When really, I only want it because you want mm. it. <laughs> it's, it sounds silly. It sounds silly. Man, that's it's powerful, good. man. No, bro, it's, 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 it's spot on, man, because, you know, I always say, man, you gotta, you gotta know who you are. If you don't know who you, who you are, then the life is going to put you in a, in a box that it's going to say who you are. And a lot of the times, man, most people just be existing. You know what I'm saying? Like we're not on this earth to just exist. There's a purpose as to why we're doing it and why we're here. And we got to take time spending and figuring out why we're here. Otherwise you're just going to be existing. So in that, in that in that three year time that you spent, you know, kind of learning Richard a little bit more, you know, the ins and outs, and 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 and, and obviously reco- recovering, uh, what did that look like moving forward going into boxing? Was this how did you get reintroduced to that? And and what was the path that said, you know, what I want to I want to do this? Did something hit you unexpectedly? Was it? an accumulated plan, like walk me through a little bit about that three year span where you spent time with yourself and then you started picking up the boxing gloves and really starting to give this yeah, thing a go. At the same time. So when I decided to spend a lot of time alone and then I was introduced to boxing, I thought this is perfect. Now I can, you know, walk this path and see how, how well I do. I see if this, um, you know, if it's a successful venture, you know, you never know. I, this is like, this for me, this was like planning ahead, planning for my future, and giving myself yeah. another opportunity to pursue a sport that I could be successful in, and it could benefit me in in the in the long term. And you know, most importantly, it was more the focus. More then was just more keeping myself out of trouble. You know, giving myself another route. Mm. You know, to be to becoming um, successful. So after I started to go to the gym, I. I just developed a, a love for the sport. I, I became very fascinated in how the guys at the top level, the elite level, were able to make it look easy because, you know, boxing is, is really difficult. That's the first thing I realized. How difficult <laughs> it was. Yeah. You know, it's just, it just over time, I had a few fights. I was getting a lot of knockouts. I realized I had a lot of power, you know, abnormal power. So, you know, it was, it was really beneficial for me. And then that's when I started to say, you know what, let me just take it a bit more seriously, a bit more serious, little by little. I didn't start taking it seriously straight away. I would show up, show up at the gym maybe, you know, twice a week, then three times a week, 
then twice a week, then three times a week. I was that kind of guy that would show up here and there, but I would come like at least once a week. I would show my face at least once a week. But mm. then I realized that if I really want to take it to the next level, I need to, I need to come to the gym more often. Like that gives me the best chance of be- me becoming successful. I can learn more, get more training, you know, become you know luckier, you know, so to speak. So, um, after a few years, you know, I decided to study. You know, I got a lot of, I got some advice from a trainer in the gym at the time, and he told me that I shouldn't put my eggs in one basket. And that's when I, I thought about it. Mm. You know, being being naive, I kind of took it offensively first. Like I was good enough, for, I wasn't good enough, <laughs> you know, and I kind of used that as. Fuel I know what you mean. Sure, <laughs> like throughout the years, to be honest, and but yeah, I I then humbled myself and understood what you're saying, and I got it from other places as well. That same type of advice, and that's when I started to um to do some research on how to um you know get into university. That's when I um, jumped on the access course, started studying, and then uh, went to uni, graduated. And after I graduated, that's when I, I started to really pursue it on another level as a professional. Um, everything you just said, man, is, first of all, bro, that's remarkable, bro. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, you know sometimes we're on, we're on a path to reaching this destination, right? And the destination is always changing, and when we get certain accomplishments and we achieve certain things, we don't exactly take the time to reflect on it and to see, oh, we just you know, graduated from this. We got this mark because we're so focused on trying to achieve these other things. And so I just want to point that out, bro. Like, that's, <laughs> that's not easy to do, bro. There's, there's, there's 7.6 billion people in the world. And from where you came from, what you overcome, not only apart from boxing, bro, you've got a degree as well, too. It also gave me this, 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 this other thought that I'm thinking about, man. You know, during that time you spent three years kind of, you know, by yourself, figuring some things out, getting to know yourself. I think that kind of maybe prepared you a little bit more for boxing, man, because boxing can often feel like a, like a solo sport. You know, you're, you're training by yourself for the most part, um, Obviously, you got sparring partners. You're 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 walking into the ring with people, but you're fighting by yourself. But there's a team around you. What was your first fight like? What did it feel like? Were you were you nervous? What was what was training camp like, man? Walk me through a little bit about that that yeah, first, first that fight. first fight. Um, I used to back then. I used to play a lot of fight night boxing. I don't know if you know fight night. Yeah. So fight night round. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yep. That's my game, bro. <laughs> that game. To play every single day. And I used to play that whilst I was boxing. So when I when I got the date from my first fight, mm. entering, you know, the ring, that's all I heard whilst I was, you know, throwing punches, like people shouting, mumbling, you couldn't really make out exactly what they were saying. It was just like the game. <laughs> they so mm. that's what that's the closest <laughs> uh, description I'll give it to you. You know, if I was compared to anything, but I was filled with you know nerves. Mm-hmm. I was nerves was running through me, adrenaline. And it's funny because my coach at the time he said to me, "Yeah, listen, everybody won, and now it's just you left, Richard. No pressure. Win, <laughs> go win." 
Oh, that's funny, man. Real life. I'm serious. It was game time. That wasn't funny. Wrong timing. You know, I think I hurt the guy in the first round, and then I went back to the chair, and and they were shouting at me like, "What am I doing? I'm letting them recover. You hurt. Should have taken them out. Go in there and stop the fight. Stop him." And then I ended up um, stopping him in the, in the second round. Yeah. When you're in the corner, right, and, you know, you're trying to listen to what your corner is saying, you know, do this and do that. And you're trying to hear the crowd. The crowd's coming in, man. Is, does it feel very loud or can you actually zone in on seeing what your coach is being saying? Because, you know, for me, um, at the Olympic Games, when I was running track and field, people always ask me, Akeem, what, what? what was it like? Like, how do you stay focused? And to me, it's always like, even though the crowd is there and they're screaming, I can see, I can hear everything. Like, I know what I have to do was, is, is that kind of like that for you or, or does things kind of go in slow motion or is it just so quick? I can hear, I can hear everybody around me. I can hear the, uh, I learned to focus on and what certain people say, just my coaches in a corner, in the corner. But then sometimes you would have people in a crowd shout out certain combinations. You know that they know about boxing. You might just try it. It might work. You know, if it works, mm. then you just go with that. That's that's if you, you know, we're talking on the amateur level though. You know, this is, you know, we, we didn't get the same type of attention. Yeah. And, you know, I, well, let me speak for myself. I didn't get the same type of attention that I'm getting now and, and going through certain game plans and, and you know, training as actual professional boxer. It was more, like I know A and B, and that's what I'm gonna do. A and B, A and B, A and B. So then, you know, if some if A and B wasn't working, then somebody shouted out that I should try something. Then I'll definitely try it, hundred percent. To as I'll do anything to win. But at this stage, that's interesting. <laughs> stage, I wouldn't do. That. <laughs> I would literally focus on what my coach is saying, and most of the people that are, will be shouting things out, they've never been in the in the boxing room before. So they wouldn't understand, yeah. you, know, you know, how it is, you know, to, you know, to like, um, you kind of have to, there's so many different elements, you know, of boxing. You have to pace yourself. If you're going 12 rounds, you know, you have to learn when to see, to open your eyes and see when a, uh, your opponent is hurt. And then you can capitalize on that. If, if you throw too many shots, you know, you could, you can punch yourself out. And when I say punch yourself out, you could gas yourself out you know, throw too much and by the time you recover, mm-hmm. you know, your opponent can, can get the best of you. So it's there's so many different elements in that in, in boxing. Man, you've you've again accomplished some things that many people haven't been able to do. You you, you got a couple of titles underneath your belt, man. Walk me through when you got the call for your first title shot. Because you know I've 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 got into a bunch of different conversations with 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 boxers as well too none that are on your level at this moment but you know sometimes they say there's a lot of unfairness happening in the sport what did it feel like when you got that title shot and and obviously you're already motivated because somebody's trying to knock you out and you don't want to get knocked out but did this kind of something in your mind say you know what i really think that i'm onto something great here I thought this is an amazing opportunity because I remember boxing on 
small hall shows, a lot of people think, you know, they think about Floyd Mayweather, for for example. They think this guy is just super, super rich. Mm-hmm. But there's so many different routes in boxing. People that come <laughs> yeah. up from nothing at all then make it. There's some people that come up from nothing and don't make it. You know, don't get even even a chance. And I came up, I'm one of the people that came up from nothing. The reason being, I didn't go to the Olympics. If I went to the Olympics, I would have had much more exposure and been able to sign with a, a big promoter and even get an, a big advance. But me, I had to literally start from the bottom. And the bottom is so much different than how people perceive it to be. And I'll tell you why. When we from the bottom boxing on small hall shows, you have to sell tickets. The promo would give you, let's say, 100, 150 tickets, 100 tickets, and you have to sell a certain amount. You have to pass a certain threshold and to pay for certain things. And then whatever is left after that, whatever you sell, becomes your money, your purse. It's, in fact, there's no purse, but whatever you sell on top oh, wow. of that becomes the money that you pocket and put in your pocket. Um, so how would how would how would you sell tickets? What were you so you had to go like you know people passing by like on a train or passing by somewhere? You had to kind of say, "Look, all of the friends, come to the fight." Like, it's funny. How did that work? I remember the, the the years that I spent being alone. You have to bear in mind, I lost I lost a lot of relationships. You know, <laughs> so like then mm, yeah. have to sell tickets I had to rekindle some of them somehow <laughs> so I said it can come to my fight <laughs> <laughs> use your resources even if so like, hey, even hey, if they hey, little hey, delayed hey, I feel hey, it uh, <laughs> listen I've got my boxing <laughs> it's funny you know you have to do what you have to do I and love I it really bro I love I, it man I seriously locked everybody off locked everybody off and I had to just find a way to get these people to come buy tickets to, to my fight. They didn't understand the way this works. They're like, oh my gosh, Richard Sennon, pro. He's he's having his debut. I'm definitely going to come down. They didn't know that I was reliant on, on them buying tickets. And that's how I got paid. At those times when I was leaving the shows with wow. 200 pounds, mm-hmm. 150, you know, 300 that's how much I would get paid from from the boxing fight, and a lot of people wouldn't even understand that. They were like, "How? How can you? You're a pro pro boxer?" No, it was Jeez. real difficult, and you have to bear in mind the money that we, you know, the money that um, um we needed to to eat eat good, um, training costs. You know, yeah. If you factor all of that in, then mm-hmm. what we what were we really taking home? Probably, probably, yeah, probably nothing, you know. Probably, yeah, like uh, 30 definitely. pounds. <laughs> and, you know, that's yeah. why, like, kind of, it kind of, it kind of molded me because I went through that. And then to get to where I got to now, you know, it's, it's quite rare. You don't hear it happen all the time. But um, I'm, I'm appreciative um, from, you know, for my position that I'm in. But it's, 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 it's not easy. Man, I didn't even, you know, I, I'm i a boxing guy. Like, I watch a lot of boxing, and I didn't even know that part of it, man. Bro, during that time, man, what in the world kept you motivated to keep going, bro? Because 
finances is one of the things that 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 stop most athletes from performing at their highest level right like what was going what was going through your head during those times because it's like yeah you was knocking cats out (laughs) but you was getting knocked out with bills too you know what i'm saying like how, (laughs) how did you stay focused on the goal on the destination of where you want it to be because there's so much distractions bro so much distractions especially when you're trying to live day to day with dependent on these fights and these people coming man uh how did you how did you stay focused during that time bro very very difficult i i kind of built up this type of mental fortitude to carry on to continue no matter what don't give up but only that lasted for so long. It got to a point where I was having fights. I would go around selling tickets and then my opponent would pull out due to whatever reason. And just remember, it's not like, you know, oh, internet geez. selling tickets and and then everybody gets reimbursed. It's all on, online, etc. It was, I was doing hand-to-hand sales. So I had to go and re-deliver. You know, I had to go and give everybody back the money. You know? Can you imagine that? Some some loyal fans. Oh around, nah, bro, nah, man. <laughs> they will, you know, follow me even from back then, and even now, they 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 still follow my career. When it comes to every single fight, the fans there were like, "No, oh, don't worry, Richard, about the money. You know, just keep the money for you." Bro, touching, it was really touching. Wow. Then wow. that happened once, and it happened again. When it happened again, I said to myself, "You know what?" I'm not doing this no more. Like I, I really meditating on this. I was, in, mm. you know, I was in my emotions. I won't lie to you, but I said no. Like I'm not doing this no more. I'm I'm not boxing on one of these um, small shows again. I'm boxing on a on a big show. I didn't know anybody yeah. or have any connections on how I was going to get on a big show. But I just said to myself, I'm not doing this again. It was. It was demoralizing, honestly. And then the funny thing is, it's funny how the universe works. It's like I've got yeah. an opportunity. A guy saw interest in me and he works with the biggest promoters in the world. And he was like, we want you to sign this deal, you know, a commercial deal and a, and, a, and a boxing management deal. And we can get you this. We can get you this much money. You know, he's talking about thousands of pounds. Now. I'm like, what? Are you being serious? And you're joking. Yeah, Joe, I don't believe you. Like honestly, I was like, man, what? What? From <laughs> pounds to thousands of pounds. Like he said, yeah, no problem. He said it like that won't be an issue at all. Like you know when you know when you ask somebody a question, they just brush it off. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and they answer in like two seconds, and you're like, wait and a then, minute, um, did you hear what I said? Like, did that, you... <laughs> I've got another um, opportunity for a fight from um, another um, one of my um, friends and he said listen you could um, if you if you sign with me I'll get you some fights and we can get you on these shows but I didn't I didn't believe them that's the truth even though they had decent names good connections I didn't believe them because to tell you the truth I tried my best to get on these shows as soon as they heard our names when people were talking speaking to various people for us they was not interested they was not interested at all, at all. So I was like, what's going to make mm. them change their minds? Just because you're just going to come in a picture like this. We've tried for for like two years. And they, they've 
been not not been interested. And the funniest thing is, my first title fight was was on one of the biggest pay per view shows in in the world. Yeah, like the the show did over a million. Everybody was watching. From from a small show to pay per view. Wow. And I was I was like opening the card, and it was for a title, uh, wow. a time, an opportunity to cement myself in history. You know, and uh, really, you know, put myself up, give you know, put myself up in the rankings and stuff in the world rankings. It's like it was unbelievable. Took it, I took it, I grabbed it with both hands. <laughs> I was never, definitely not going back to this. <laughs> Man, so years of of literally fighting for pieces and scraps and, you know, going back, training every single day, trying to be enthused, trying to be motivated, you know, and then going back to, you know, certain struggles that you were probably dealing with away from, from the ring and then to get that title shot and then to come out victorious and then you have people watching, man, what... What did it feel like to win that title, bro? And, and and what did it feel like after you became a champion? Because now people aren't just calling you, you know, Richard. They're calling you just the champ now. It's different. Was it very, because I can only imagine, I'm assuming, bro, it was an emotional night, emotional week, emotional change for you in your life. Because the thing that keeps humans going is the fact that we can see progress and we're getting closer to something that we see for ourselves. We want to know that our sacrifices are being paid off. The fruits of our labor, we're starting to eat from it. What did that feel like for you when you became It took a very a long time for it to marinate because I, I dreamed of it. I wanted to win. I wanted to win so badly. I would have done anything to win that fight. And if you go back and watch that fight, it's it's a in, very interesting fight to watch, and the reason why is because I fought a guy with double my fights that had been boxing since he was a, a little kid. I I uh, my first fight was at age nineteen, and I was up against it. People were like, "Yeah, Richard's got power, but you know, this guy won this championship, this amateur championship." I was literally against it, even on the odds in the, in the, in the bookies and coming into that fight, I was, I was losing, I was losing that fight on the, on the cards. I was losing on the cards going into the seventh round mm-hmm. and I had three rounds left. My, my coach is like, listen, you need to go and do something like this is, you're losing badly. Like what we here? what we here for? Should I just take you out? Should I just throw the towel? And I said, no, don't do, don't do that. I came out and I just started to just let my hands go, let my hands go. I fought like I was fighting for freedom, <laughs> like I've been locked away somewhere in the dungeon, and there's the only <laughs> way that I'm gonna be free just to fight. And end up, um, I ended up getting the win. I landed a, a shot which kind of, you know, created a type of um, bulge in his eye. It, it, it went it, it looked humongous like everybody mm. was shouting ringside telling them to stop the fight it looked like a hematoma so, uh, nobody knew exactly what it was 
You know, it looked like mm. he, broke, he had a broken eye socket or something. That's how badly it swelled up. And they ended up throwing in the towel. And that's how I became the champion. That's It all started there. Man, when, when that happened, man, you know, even after you won your second belt and you got the first belt, you won the second belt, and you're still undefeated to this day, man, you know, you always have people who are going to say, yeah, but no matter what you do, they're always going to have a doubt. They're always going to have something to say. How do you block that out? How do you not feed too much into that? Because when we hear something enough times, man, even a small piece of us, piece of us start to believe it. How do you block that out, bro? Just, just kind of just thinking back and just kind of just appreciating the journey, looking back at the journey. Like that's all I need to do is just look at that and, and I'll just not care <laughs> about what they say. No, that's the, that's the truth. And, you know, there's a quote that I, I like. It's, mm-hmm. it's lions don't have, don't, don't care about the opinions of sheep. You know, something like lions, you know, and, you know, these, these are the things that I kind of mm-hmm. just, these mantras that I always kind of recite to myself. You know, I couldn't care less about what they, because the person that's probably, ha- that has an, a strong opinion about you is trying to criticize you probably has not doing nothing um in their own their with themselves you know trying to achieve their goals you know I've, I've i respect anybody that just tries to to acquire a certain type of sex success whether they they fail they fail again fail again but i have so much respect for somebody that tries and that's all we're doing you know we try and i jumped in the ring i never knew i was gonna win a fight there was, there was no there was no security in me winning the fight. I was going I was against the odds. I was going up against the odds, you know, and we won. So you know, mm-hmm. and that's how it's always been. But you have to respect a person for just giving it a go and and you know, putting putting themselves on the line for other people's entertainment just to try to create a better life for themselves and their family. You know, what's <laughs> You know, you have to, you have to, anybody, any person in the right mind will respect that, you know, so. You know, man, I don't, uh, and maybe you think about it when you're, you know, on the couch chilling, watching a little TV, man. But when you look back at the beginning stages of your life, man, from, you know, each and every single one of us has one thing in common. We don't have to know everybody in this world, but we all came in. We didn't ask to be alive. We didn't ask to be born in certain ways, in certain positions. We didn't ask to be here. And so we were born in different places. But everything that you were able to overcome, man, is the foundation of where it puts you are where you are right now, bro. You've always been a fighter. You fought, you fought to, to stay positive in the environment that wasn't ideal. You, you fought to stay alive. You fought to get recognition. You literally fought to eat. You know what I'm saying? So you've literally been preparing yourself for this moment, even if you don't haven't even thought about it, man. And it's just remarkable to see you, bro. Um, what, what is next for you right now, so man? Do you have a fight coming up? What, 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 what's, what's it looking like for you next? You know, in, in various sports, as you know. And now the boxing world yeah. has, has started to um, pick back up again. And... I'm moving 
are moving towards um, title con- world title contention. So we're looking at, at a world title eliminator and then a world title shot next year. So we're just literally just building, building foundation and waiting for the opportunity. I'm just waiting for the date. And um, then we'll just literally tune it up and um, and literally go in the ring and, and take what's ours. It's just that simple. So it could be anything, you know, within the next couple of months. We can um, we can be back in the ring, back throwing hands again. Man, I felt I felt I felt that energy and that passion through that <laughs> about to take what's ours, man. I know you're ready. Um, <laughs> man, Rick, let's get into these last five questions, man. It's just five questions I like to I like to ask towards the end. Um, nothing too crazy, nothing too taxing. At least they shouldn't be. So question one, man, um, if there was three things that you could take on a deserted island for a week, I'll what would those three things be? I, I would have to take some some books. If if I could take a, like, a, yeah, I'll have to take a bunch of books. Not I, do, I, do I have to take one book? I'll take a stack of books. That's the first thing I'll do. Nah, you could, you could, um, you could take, you could take a stack of books. Give me a, give me a, give me a, uh, give me a book you take. Give me a book title you take. I would have to take, I would have to take some novels. So you know, one of my favorite favorite writers uh, is um, John Grisham. Mm. And I'll take a bunch of his novels. One of my favorite novels is The Partner. So I'll definitely take that book. Because I'll be there for a long mm. time. If I don't mm. know if I will be there for a long time, but I'd, I'd need time. I'll probably take some, <laughs> some Harry Potter books. Well. <laughs> hey, hey, shout out to hey, shout out to Harry, man. That's my stuff, bro. I ain't gonna lie, to you. that's my I'll, stuff, I'll bro. Need to take some pictures of of my family. I'd have to take pictures of my family, my close friends and family, just to, just mm. as a reminder of what I'm missing, the love I'm missing. And why you need to, and why you need to get off the island? <laughs> yeah. So the, the, the last thing. Question. Oh no, you still got one more, bro. You, so you got a stack of books. Um, you got I'll pictures. Have to take some seasoning. I have to take season. <laughs> I'll have to take a, a box of season. I have to. I, have to. I feel that. I feel that. Cheat meal. Question two, man. Favorite cheat meal. I would say chocolate. I love chocolate. Question question three, ma'am. Right. You know, Hollywood comes calling, right? And they say, Richard, who will play you in a movie? We want to make a movie about you. Who would play Damson Richard Idris. in your documentary, man, in your movie? Damson Idris. Yeah. You just... <laughs> Yeah, that's a good. Would, that's a good choice. That's a good choice. I feel like you do a good job of that. Question four, man. In in no particular order, man. Muhammad who Ali. are your top five favorite boxers of all time? Lennox Lewis, Floyd Mayweather. Oh, let me think. Roberto Duran. Sugar Ray Leonard, and and I have some hands of stone. Oh man, that's a that's a lineup, bro. That's a lineup. 
last question, man. Um, everything that you've been through, bro, man, everything you had to overcome to get to where you are today, man, if, if, if there was one word to describe you, Relentless. what would that one word be? Because I'll just, I'll take, I. And why relentless, man? I'll do anything it takes, anything that it takes for me to, to get to where I want to get to, I'll, I'll do it. And I thought that was quite common until I started boxing and studying other boxers. That describes me. I'm relentless. I'll do whatever. Man, I'm a, I'm a person, man, that, you know, I like to give people their roses when they're here. You know what I'm saying? Too many times, you know, we don't show love and appreciation for the people, even if we don't fully know them, the respect that they deserve, man. And from me to you, bro, I don't know what God has in store for you moving forward, bro. But I know anything that you touch, man, you're going to be prosperous in it, bro, because you got the you got the mentality, you got the mindset. But most importantly, man, you got the human will. You know what I'm saying? And I feel like, bro, I feel like you are just getting started, bro. As weird as that may seem, you know what I'm saying? Because you had a bunch of fights. You got you got titles. You were champion. But I really feel like Thank you're just man. getting Thank started, man. Me, man I'm going to be following the career, bro, man. I'm, I'm, I'm excited for what's to come for you, man. Got you, bro. Where, 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 where can people, where can people um, keep in touch with you, R, man, and, and, and get locked in? My last name was just spelled R-I-A-K-P-O-R-H-E. Son, that's that's me. I'm on Twitter and um, Instagram as well. Man, it was great. It was great talking to you. Appreciate you jumping on, bro. Appreciate your time, man. We'll be in touch soon, my guy. Much love, man.